The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Well, look at today, victory in our day, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3. The Bible here says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath raised us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, and notice this last phrase, in Christ. The truth of the believer in Christ is just as invigorating as the truth of Christ in the believer, right? We talk about Christ being in the believer all the time as Christians. We we are excited about that. We love that that thought, that truth, that biblical principle. And if you don't know what's that talking about today, well, the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He comes to dwell within you in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? And so, uh, if you don't know what that means, if, you don't, if you've never experienced that, uh, the key of living the Christian life is, is being born again, is accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I thank God at age 16. At age 16, I thought I knew it all. I'd grown up going to church. Uh, a church that didn't preach or teach the gospel. And uh, I came to a point at age 16, like most teenagers, right? You know everything, right? More than your parents, more than anybody else. And uh, we're not just picking on you teenagers because everybody older than you here was the same way at age 16, all right? So uh, you you had life figured out. And so I came up my my own way to go to heaven. And I thought, man, this is great. I, I, I now have it all figured out. And uh, one day, somebody took me to the Word of God, the Bible. They asked me, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And of course, I said, wow, yeah, I, yeah I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven. You know, uh, you know, I was so confident in my way of getting to heaven that I said, I'm pretty sure I'm going. Uh, that's not a good sign right there, all right? Amen. I thank God now I know for sure I'm going. Amen. 100% uh, total peace. And you say, how on earth can you have total peace and assurance that you're going to heaven. Well, the Bible teaches us how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, become a child of God. And today, if you've never been born again, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you do not have Christ in you, I'd encourage you at the end of the service to come and let somebody share with you from God's Word how you too can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But as Christians, we love the fact of Jesus Christ dwelling within us and and having the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God within us, and the power of God uh, resting upon us, and so forth. All of those truths, all of those principles excite us. But the truth of us in Christ ought to excite us just as much. The in Christ phrases occur approximately 35 times in the book of Ephesians, more than in any other New Testament book. To be in Christ is to be at the throne where Christ sits far above all. Amen, the Word of God says. And so Christ is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He's enthroned in heaven, and we are in Christ enthroned with Him. This is the place of authority. Christ is sitting on His throne, indicating His power, indicating His authority as the risen Savior. And we are in Him, in, on that place, on that throne place. And so let me ask you this morning, are you exercising the authority of your throne seat. We are living in some strange days in America, are we not? Right? You know, if I said to you, what are your preferred pronouns? If I said that 10 years ago, you said, what are you talking about? 
But it's a sad fact that most of you know exactly what I just asked. What are your preferred pronouns, right? And we would have thought, who would have thought that would ever come to the United States of America, right? And then all of these different things that are happening in our country and the direction that it's going and all of these different things that they want us as a nation to accept and, and, uh, uh, and you know, just the, uh, what we're seeing on the streets of our nation and, and the increase in crime. And uh, we, we can go on and on and on in, in, in what's happening in our nation and we can look across our nation and see what's happening in Christianity. Pre-COVID, there was over 5,000 churches a year shutting their doors. That has skyrocketed. Pre-COVID, 18% of Americans, only 18% of Americans were in church on a Sunday morning. Post-COVID, I believe that's probably down to 10% or less of Americans are in church uh, today. Uh, baby boomers, uh, uh, Gen Xers, uh, or millennials, uh, have all uh, decreased greatly in how many of them are going to church on Sundays, right? And so we can look at the darkness within our own churches. We can see the direction of our nation, and we can get discouraged. We get down, right? I, I sometimes watch the news, and, and I want to throw a brick at my television, right? You want to get on the streets and start screaming and say, what on earth is going on in our country? And uh, we feel we have no power. We feel we have no hope. Right? We, we feel like, well, what can we do? What, what can we accomplish? And we just need to hold on till Jesus Christ comes back. Maybe, maybe we just kind of cower in our corner. We'll be okay until he comes back, Lord willing. He'll come back before it's too late for all of us. And we can get into that mentality and we can get into that thinking. But are we exercising the authority of our throne seat? The scripture here in Ephesians provides three realities that you must comprehend as the basis for exercising your throne authority. Amen? The authority of you in Christ at the throne. The first thing we see is we need to understand who is the authority. Look at Ephesians 1 and verse number 19. Ephesians 1, verse number 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us work? Who believe according to the working of His mighty Power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The key to spiritual warfare is to focus on the victor. We need to understand who is the authority. And we see here that the authority is the Lord Jesus Christ, the conquering king. Amen? Now, I, I pastored for 20 years. And every once in a while, I'd have people come to me and say, Pastor, I believe God's first, family second, church third. And they'd ask me, do you accept that? And I'd say, yes, I, I accept that teaching. I accept that. that, that I'll, I'll accept that. If that's what you believe, I will accept that. And I know many times what they were trying to do. They were trying to say, if I have to skip church, because, you know, my wife wants me to take her shopping, family comes before church, so God, family, church, right? 
And so before they left, I asked them one question. I said, now before you leave, let me, let me ask you this. You said God is first. Where does God want you and your family on Sunday? Amen? And so if you're saying God is first, if Christ is your authority, Christ is the enthroned one in your life, we must always go to the Word of God and see what He would have for us, right? And so where does God want my family on Sunday? He wants us in church. Where does God want my family to serve? In the local church. Where does God want me to be active in ministry? In the local church. And so that would always become first. Now, yes, I get it. If you're having a Saturday cleaning day and mowing lawn day and and it's your anniversary or, you know, your your mother's, you know, uh, turning uh, 90 and you're having a a family, fine. We, We get all that, amen? But what we're talking about is where God wants his children, where God's program for today is the local church. That's where he wants us to be. That's where he wants us to serve. That's where he wants us to give. That's where he wants us to be active and faithful to is his local church. And we ought to do that. Why? So that Pastor Kagan can go to preacher's meetings and say, my attendance is so great. My my church is so faithful, right? That, that, uh, you know, I have X uh, percentage of my membership here every Sunday, Right, So that he can lay his head at bed at night and say, I'm an amazing pastor. Everybody comes out. Is that why we ought to do it? No. All right. Now, there's nothing wrong with encouraging your pastor. And, and listen, if you came to church every time church doors are open, he'd be excited about that. All right. Amen. I, I, and I'm not belittling that. But amen. The number one reason that we ought to be faithful to God's house and why we ought to be reading our Bibles, why we ought to be praying, why we ought to be giving, why we ought to be serving, why we ought to be involved with church planting, why we ought to be involved in, 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 in sending missionaries around the world. Why we ought to do that is because Jesus Christ is the conquering king. He is the authority. We are in him. And he is commanding us as his soldiers, as, as a part of the bride, that we are to go out and to be faithful and to obey him and to follow the scriptures and to live the word of God and have that to be part of our lives because he is the enthroned Christ in our life. We need to understand that. We need to have that principle. That has got to be the basis in every aspect of our lives. Right? You're young. You get married. Right? You get to the altar and you look at each other and the men are about to faint. Their wives are so beautiful. Right? And, and the young lady, she's just so excited. And marriage is going to be great. Right? You're going to get married. You're going to have 1.2 kids. You're going to have a dog, a white picket fence. Everything's going to be great. You have married the perfect person. You're never going to have a disagreement. There's never going to be a trial. There's never going to be a test. Marriage is wonderful. Then you get married. Amen. <laughs> all right. And we all know there's, there's great times with marriage, right? There's wonderful times with kids, but there's great trials. And we need to understand that Christ needs to be enthroned in our lives to have a strong home and a strong marriage. Amen? Church is great. I love church. I've been involved with church. When I got saved, uh, you know, I, I grew up going to church once a week. Well, okay, Christmas and Easter, like every other good Christian does, right? That's what I grew up with, right? And if you wanted to go any time be, between that, go ahead. Then I get saved. 
I get into a church like this. And so I didn't understand, okay? I came to a church just like this one. And so I came Sunday morning because that's all I thought every church did, Sunday morning. And then I heard something, an announcement about something going on in the evening service. I got, oh, they must be having something special tonight. No, I find out they have it every Sunday night. I'm like, wow, that's weird. And then I find out there's something going on Wednesday night, all right? And so I tell you, my first prayer meeting on church on a Wednesday night, uh, they broke up into prayer groups at the end. I was so green, I knew nothing. Uh, and so one guy come up to me, he says, come with me, Brother Rick. And he goes to the back pew, and he gets down on one knee, and I thought, oh, he wants me to help him move the pew. So I go to the other end of the pew, and, and these pews were about this long as the center, and, and they're bolted down, and I'm getting ready to lift. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, come over here. And so, he had teach, uh, so that was my first prayer time, amen, uh, trying to rip the pews out of the church floor, all right? And, uh, but, you know, my pastor said, listen, every time church doors are open, you ought to be here. And I, and I started coming. And I thank God for that. Church is important because life is hard. Life is difficult. And so I need the enthroned Christ in my life. I need to be in the enthroned Christ. And the enthroned Christ wants me in God's house. And he wants me to be faithful. He wants me to be a part of the church body, right? Because just like my human body, it would not be a good thing if my heart says I'm taking the day off. Right? How many of you would be here today if your heart took the day off? Right? Right? Now, some of us can say, yeah, our brain has taken the day off every once in a while, all right? But it didn't literally, all right? If it did, you still wouldn't be here today, right? You don't want to have your kidneys take the day off. You don't want anything, right? You don't want your foot take the day off. You ever, uh, your leg fall asleep and you go to get up, right? And you're, you know, doing this kind of thing. And, and it's annoying, right? It's like, come on, come on, wake back up. Why? Why? You want your foot. You want everything working and functioning properly. Well, you as a church, you're a church body. And we're all here, and we encourage one another by being here. We strengthen one another. Uh, we help one another. Uh, it, it's just part of God's plan. It's part of God's purpose. And because of the enthroned Christ, I want to be an active part of my uh, local church. We need to understand who the authority is. The second principle we need to understand is the position of the authority. Again, we read in verse number uh, chapter 1, verses 19 uh, through 23, and in that passage there, we see Christ's position. According to one, chapter 1, verse number 19, it incorporates four power words to describe God's power uh, when he raised Christ uh, from the dead. Uh, let's read again verse number 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power? The first power there emphasizes ability. All right? As you get older, have you ever said to yourself, I don't know if I can do that anymore? Right? I, I, I'm getting into that age group, all right? Uh, our, our church on Tuesday nights has soccer, all right? And uh, they get out there and play soccer for two hours straight. I go, I don't think I can do that anymore. Right? It's just too much, right? And, and there's certain things. Um, we had uh, 100 cases of John and Romans to take out of a trailer and put into a vehicle. And I was responsible to get them there. And I thought to myself, I cannot unload 100 cases by myself anymore. And so 
uh, our church has some summer interns. Praise the Lord, all right? They're young, dumb. I mean, they're young, all right? They got muscles. And uh, so, uh, you know, I showed them where they needed to go, all right? <laughs> Amen. And, uh, right, you just get to that point where you just say, I don't think I can do that anymore. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ never says, I don't think I can do that anymore? I don't think I have the power to do that anymore. I don't have the ability to, you know, back in the 1800s, I could do that. But in 2021, it's just too hard down here. You guys have gone crazy. Your, your nation's going wild. And I, I just can't do it anymore. I, I, can't, I can't see churches started in America today. I can't see marriages strengthened. I can't see a church grow today. It's just too hard. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ never says that? Then it talks about uh, working. It emphasizes their energy. All right? Last Saturday, we went and helped hand out John and Romans in Dearborn, Michigan, for a new church plant there. Walked five miles all right, to hand out John and Romans. And I drove home an hour and a half, got home, went inside, and took a nap. Amen? All right? And you, several of you would say, he deserved it. He earned a nap. Amen. He walked five miles, did all that. John and Romans had to get up early, drive an hour and a half there, drive an hour and a half back. Aren't you glad Jesus Christ doesn't help me and then says, sorry, can't help you, got to take a nap. Right? Don't you, aren't you glad that Jesus Christ is the energy and the ability, the, the, the stamina to help you, to help me, to help this church, to help other churches, help churches all around the world? that he has that energy, uh, that ability to do so. It talks about uh, mighty, emphasizing sheer strength. If you, I have two brothers. My oldest brother had big muscles, okay? And then my next brother had muscles, and then me, okay? I have sticks coming out of my shoulders, all right? Uh, I, I've never been able to form a bulge in my bicep. I just, uh, I just, uh, just this is all I got, all right? Uh, and I've even tried working on it. Uh, but again, I thank God that Jesus Christ has the power. He has the strength. And then also the last word there, power, emphasizing dominion, all right? If I came into your house and said, all right, listen, this is no good. I want you to get rid of all this furniture and buy new stuff. I don't like this, all right? You would think, who on earth are you? Who are you to come into my home and tell me to get rid of my furniture and buy new stuff? Who do you think you are? Right? And you'd have every right to say that, right? Uh, what, what kind of a, a fool would walk into somebody's home and say, oh, yeah, I don't like your furniture. Get rid of it. I'm not coming back until you do. Right? Who does that? I have no power. I have no authority in your home to tell you what to do. If you came to me and said, oh, by the way, next week I'm going on vacation. No, you're not. I'm not allowing you to go on vacation. You think, well, who are you to tell me we can't go on vacation, right? I have no power. I have no authority. But do we do that to the Lord Jesus Christ? When he speaks to us, when he shows us in his word how we are to live and what we are to do and how we are to participate in his plan through his local church, do we look at him and say, what power, what authority do you have? What dominion do you have in my life? No, we have to understand that he does have that dominion. He does have that authority. 
And he, he is to exercise that into our lives. And we need to be willing to submit to that. We need to be willing to surrender to that. Uh, again, let me remind you something. When your pastor teaches a principle from God's word, you can sit there and say, that preacher's not telling me what to do. Guess what? He's not telling you what to do. He's telling you what God wants you to do. So when you say no to him, when you say no to your pastor, you're saying no to God. I, I remember when I was in Bible college, I was in charge of maintenance. All right? all, it was a small Bible college, so every student had to help out. And so I would give assignments to everybody. And sometimes they'd say, well, Rick's not telling me what to do. Right? I was just another student, just like them. Well, my pastor got up in chapel one day and said, now listen, if Rick tells you to do something and you don't do it, you're saying no to me. And all the students understood. Because guess what it meant to say no to the pastor and the president of the college? <laughs> You're out. All right? and, uh, right? and so they got that. They understood that. Right? You'd be in trouble. You'd be disciplined for doing that. And so I was given the position of telling them what the pastor wanted them to do. And all your pastor is doing when he preaches the word of God is God has called him to tell you what God wants you to do and how he wants you to live. And so you can say no to your pastor all day long. It doesn't matter. It's God who is telling us what to do. He is the one on the throne. He is the one with the dominion. He is the one with the power. And I thank God we serve a risen Savior who has that dominion. When Ephesians 1.20 states, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. It refers to two major events as the reason for this power. Right? The reason for the authority. Okay? So during COVID, your governor has come out and said, We are making these mandates, and I am using you know, emergency powers granted to me as your governor to do this. Okay? And so we looked at that, and he has the authority to do that because of his position. Well, here we see that two major events uh, display this, this power that, he, that Christ has. And what are they? It's the resurrection and the enthronement of Christ, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen? That's the gospel. That, that is why I could say I know for sure I'm going to heaven, because I used to believe that Rick Russ could earn his way to heaven, that I could be a good enough person. Right? When I tell people now I know for sure I'm going to heaven, they say, boy, you're arrogant. I go, no, I'm not. I said, I used to be arrogant. I used to think I could get myself there. That's arrogance. Okay? But now I say it's because of Jesus Christ and him only. It's because Jesus Christ died for my sins, was buried, and rose again. Amen? Rick Ross could not do that. Right? I cannot say, don't worry, folks, one day I'm going to die for your sin. Okay? And don't worry, three days later, I will rise again. Right? If you put your faith and dependence in that, you're not going to heaven. Because I, I cannot do that. I have no power, I have no authority to do that. But Jesus Christ did, and he rose again, and then he went up into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father. 
he was he is now the enthroned Christ. Well, the results of the power displayed is here again in verses 21 and verse 22. It says, For all for above all power, verse 21, for sorry, for above for above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet, and given him to be the head over all things to uh, the over all things to the church. Ephesians 1, 21, 22 describes the position as the throne as far above all principality and power. Far above all principality power, they're talking about authority. Right? Americans, we like to say, the President of the United States is the leader of the free world. Okay? Now, you know, the last president, this president, there's a big debate on that, all right, in America, all right, I get all of that stuff, but normally we would say that the president of the United States is the leader of the free world. He has the greatest power in the free world. No, he doesn't. Amen? The Lord Jesus Christ does. He has that authority. And might and dominion, uh, that every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which has come, hath put all things under his feet. Jesus Christ sits in the position of authority far above all. Jesus Christ is the enthroned Christ. Now what's the believer's position? We see Christ's position. He's enthroned, the right hand of the Father. What's the believer's position? In addition to Christ's position, we must comprehend where we sit as children of God, as believers as Christians. We are co-resurrected and co-enthroned. Let's look over at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So he's talking about you as a believer. Because it says, hath he quickened. That word there means made alive. Right? <clears throat> Before I was saved, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was dead spiritually. And because if I would have died in that state, I would have spent eternity separated from God in hellfire. But you, me, he hath made alive, right? Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on in verse number six. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Where? In Christ Jesus. So you hath he raised, and you hath he made to sit together in heavenly places in the Lord Jesus Christ. This declaration reveals that when God raised Christ, when he also raised us in Christ, when God enthroned Christ, he enthroned us in the Lord Jesus Christ. God displayed his power when he raised Christ, and when he raised you. God displayed his power when he seated Christ, and when he seated you. Therefore, in Christ, we are far above the power of Satan that Christ is. So when we look at the darkness of our world, when we see the difficulties of our world, and yes, we, some of us could look back and say in the 70s, churches were seeing this happen. In the 80s, we were seeing this happen. 
Remember, you know, I'm old enough to know the 80s real well. And in the 80s, churches were being started everywhere. In schools and in, uh, in storefronts and in, and in parks and under tents and you name it. Churches were being started everywhere, all over this country. Great things were happening uh, all, all over the place. But we keep looking back and say, it's not the 80s anymore. It's not the 70s anymore, right? Uh, you know, uh, we're living in a different day, and we, we have different things happening today. And, and, and there's so much uh, things bombarding us in the world. You know, the Bible does warn us about every wind of doctrine. You know, the Internet is great. Facebook is great. There can be some great assets to those things. But we got to be careful of every wind of doctrine that's out there, and it's attacking the church, and it's distracting believers, and all sorts of negative things are happening. It's a tough day in 2021. But we still are enthroned in Christ today as believers were 100 years ago, as believers were 500 years ago, as believers were 1,000 years ago. You know, we talk about how tough it is in America. How many of us are being put to death for our stand in Christ? How many of us here in America are seeing our children killed in front of us if we don't denounce Christ? You know, throughout church history, that has happened many, many times. It is happening in our world today, in different parts of the world, where Christians are literally sacrificing their lives to not denounce the Lord Jesus Christ. We are concerned about our religious liberties, and as Americans, we ought to. Amen? We ought to fight for that. We have that liberty. God has given that to our nation. We ought to fight to keep it. But the thing is, we got to understand, is religious liberty given to us by our government or our enthronement in Christ, which is greater power? Amen? Us in Christ will accomplish great things. As believers throughout history have had entire nations and governments and armies that despised them and hated them and were literally torturing them and putting them to death. You know what God did through those times? He saw some of the greatest revivals that came to the world through this time as, as people were coming by the groves, bending their knee before the Lord Jesus Christ during what we thought were some of the darkest days. Now we've got to understand that believers have no power and authority in themselves over the enemy. Okay, those of us who have, kid, who have kids, right? Do you have that little sister, that little brother in the home? Right? Even some of us are older. Were you ever that little sister, that little brother in the home? You know, the one that comes up to the oldest sibling and says, do this. Your room's a mess. You better clean up your room, right? You put your toys away, right? And you know how the oldest brother loves when the little sister comes up and does that, right? And what usually happens, right? Smack or yelling or something, and then little, the little kids scream, bah, bah, bah. they go running up to mom, and it just causes turmoil in the family, right? The oldest sibling always hates that little one telling them what to do. But you know what the little one loves? When dad says, go tell your brother to clean his room. 
Because uh-huh. now that little one comes up and says, you need to go clean your room. And he starts to lose it on her. You ain't telling me what to do. Get out of my room. You're right? All this, you, know, you know the scenario. Dad told me to tell you to clean your room. That's what they love, that part. Amen? And they're like, now I'm here in the authority of dad. Now what is that boy going to do? Is he going to smack her? Is he going to yell at her? Is he going to slam the door in her face? No, he realizes if I do that, dad's coming up next. That's not a good thing. And so he starts cleaning his room. I can't come into this community and say, by the power of Rick Rust, thou must be saved. By the power of Rick Rust, you got to live for God. you got to surrender your heart and life to Him. You, you need to live the Word of God. I'm, I'm telling you today, as a minister of the gospel, that Rick Rust is telling you that you must live a certain way for God. I, I can't do that. But I can tell you, in the power of the enthroned Christ, that is the minister of the gospel, that Jesus Christ has commissioned me to, to preach His Word and to teach His Word and to tell believers that you are to live a certain way. It, it's not Rick Russ coming and telling you. It is the Lord Jesus Christ through me coming and telling you how you are to live. And so when you go to live your life, you say, well, it's hard, it's difficult. I'm having trouble with this sin in my life. You can't have victory over it, but you, in the power of the throne, Christ can have victory over that. You're struggling with your faithfulness. You say, I have tried and tried. Some of you older folks here remember the days when the altars used to be full all the time? You remember those days? People were weeping. People would get up and give testimonies. I have not loved my wife as I ought to, and I'm going to be a better husband. I have not been a soul winner as I ought to have been. I'm going to be a better soul winner. I have not read my Bible faithfully, and I'm going to read my Bible more faithfully. But you know what happened? We're all sinners, right? We have that sin nature. We, uh, we're all human. We're all a flesh. And so I'm going to be a better husband. And so, you know, you take her out for dinner a few times, and you buy her some flowers, and then six months later, you're back to being you. Right? You come out soul winning a few times and then you quit. You read your Bible for three weeks and you quit. And so what did you do? You get right again. Your church has a revival. You come, you get right, and you get up and you say, God's broken my heart again. And you've done that several times. You know what happens over the years? Teenagers now come back from camp and they give testimonies. And they say, I'm going to get rid of my rock music or I... I'm going to get rid of this or that. I'm going to love my mom more. And, and you know, I'm going to serve God greater. And you know what the adults do? You sit there and go, wonder how long that's going to last. You know why we do that? Because we made those decisions and failed. And made those decisions and failed. And made those decisions and failed. And now we don't want to come to the altar anymore. I'm tired of failing. I'm just going to lay here, right? It's like, Falling off the horse, right? After the third time, you just say, I'm just going to lay out in the middle of this field, and until I die, I'm not getting back on that horse. And that's how the average Christian is living today. He's going to lay here. I'm not going to get back up. The Bible says we are to pick up our cross 
daily. Right? What that means is God knows that we're frail in and of ourselves and we have no power in and of ourselves. And so I must pick up my cross. That means I've confessed my sins. I have identified with Christ. I realize I need His power, His guidance, His direction in my life to live out my life as a father, as a husband, as a grandfather, as a preacher, uh, as a church planner, whatever it is that God has for me to do, I now need His enthroned power in my life to live the victorious Christian life. I need that. And that's why it's important that every day, listen, who of us have not said I'm going to be a better husband and have failed? Who of us have not said I'm going to be a better Christian and have failed? Who of us have said I'm going to read my Bible more and failed? Who of us has said I'm going to read my Bible more and have not failed? Right? We have all failed. The difference is we need to say, listen, I'm going to get right. I'm going to get back to the Lord. I'm going to ask Him to forgive me of that. And I'm going to entrust Him that through His power, His enthroned power, and I realize I am in Him, I can have victory in this area. I can go forward. I can be who God wants me to be because I am enthroned in Him and I have access to His power, to His ability, to His might. In my life, I can accomplish great things because of Him. And we just need to get back. We need to get right. And we need to get back to giving those testimonies and not be ashamed. Listen, don't be ashamed. If you get up today and say, listen, I, I believe God wants me to read my Bible more. And in three months, you get up and say, listen, folks, I, I said that before, and, and I've fallen away. I've asked God to forgive me, and I want you as a church to hold me accountable. I'm going to do it. I, I want to get back at it. And then in six months later, you get up and say, folks, I blew it again. Don't look at that as, man, I am the only Christian in this earth that has failed. We all struggle. We all need God's power. We all need God's help. And that's one of the blessings of church is that we can encourage one another. We can strengthen one another. And yes, we can have the victory because of our relationship with Christ. Let's close by looking at John chapter 14, please. John chapter 14 and verse number 12. I love this passage of Scripture. Okay, Jesus Christ speaking, he says this. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me... The works that I do, shall he all do also. Okay? So Jesus Christ is saying, listen, the things that he did, you and I can do also. He doesn't just end there. And greater works than these shall he do. He is telling us that you and I can do greater things on this earth than Jesus Christ himself did. That's something, isn't it? Amen? Could you imagine if LeBron James came in and said, listen, I can dunk a basketball, but you could do it better than me. You'd go, no, I can't. All right? I'm six foot four. I've never dunked a basketball. All right? And so uh, if, if somebody told me, listen, you can dunk a basketball better than me, I'd say, no, you're crazy. Jesus Christ is saying, listen, the works I did, you can do. You could do greater works than I did. Are you looking at Jesus Christ today and saying, you're crazy, you're nuts, there's no way. How can I do better than him? He goes on to say this, 
Because I go unto my Father, right? What does that mean? Jesus Christ went where? To sit on the throne, right? He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. He's in his place of authority. <clears throat> and he says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, in my authority, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And, ye sh- and if ye ask anything in my name, in my authority, I will do it. And so the reason why he's saying that we can do greater works today is because Jesus Christ is here, God in the flesh on this earth. And he is serving on this earth. And he did great things. But now you as a church, as a body of believers, are now enthroned in Christ. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father. You and I have Christ's throne authority and power in our lives. And he's saying here (coughs) that if ye shall ask anything in my name and my authority. So now as a collective body, every one of you can be praying. Now, have you ever had it where the pastor says, let's pray for this, and you go, okay, we pray for it because we're supposed to. Right? We pray for it because it's our routine. Sometimes you might pray for it and say, well, yeah, you know, you know, I'm helping to lead this Great Lakes 30 by 30, which is seeing 30 churches planted in the Great Lakes area in a decade. 30 churches in Ohio, Michigan, and the province of Ontario. I'll forgive you, Pastor, he said, in, the, in these area states, he left out the province. All right, but anyhow. All right, but, uh, all right, the province of Ontario. And there are pastors who don't believe that can happen that we can't work together, that it's not going to happen, where are we going to get the church planters from, and all of this stuff. But if everyone here, and if everyone in all the other churches that want to be involved with this, would get on their knees and ask, in the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, do we not believe that Jesus Christ could work through hearts and lives and change people to accomplish something great for Him? You as a body, you can be sitting here and say, we are Grace Baptist Church. Who are we? You know, we're, we're not a church of 10,000. We don't have millions of dollars in our bank. If we had a church, you know, that had millions of dollars in our bank, we could accomplish something great for God. But who are we? We're nobodies. We're insignificant. Today, if you're saved, you know, Jesus Christ is your Savior. You're enthroned in Christ. And he has promised that we can do greater things than even he did because he has gone now to sit beside his Father in heaven on his throne seat and if we'll ask anything in his name, we will do it. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Right? It's all about his honor. It's all about his glory. I love the the emblems you guys have here on the, the walls. The last one over here is worship. Amen? We do it to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ought to be multiplying the worship of Jesus Christ every day in our lives. Each and every one of us are enthroned in Christ. You can have victory over your sin. You can have victory over your doubts. You can have victory in your home. You can have victory as a church. You can have victory in your ministry. 
God can use you. God can do great things through you if you'll understand your position in Him, in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to preach your word here this morning. And God, I pray that you would help this church to understand that today if they're saved, they know Christ as their Savior. That God, they are enthroned in you. They are co-resurrected with you. They have the power and the authority of Jesus Christ in their lives that if they were to live out the Word of God, if they were to follow the principles of God's Word, if they follow the leadership of their local church, that God can do great and mighty things in and through them. God, I pray that you give us the faith to have victory that you'd have us to have, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you give a moment between you, me, and the Lord here this morning? Today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen, I was 16. I came to a service like this. And somebody at that service said, would you come and let somebody share with you? And I came and allowed somebody to share with me how I could know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I was born again. Today, if you're not saved, would you come out and let somebody share with you? Today, believer, are you living on the victory side? Are you being defeated? Are you being down? Are you discouraged? Today, do you believe that God can use you to do great things because of your authority in Christ? If God spoke to your heart today, would you come make a decision for the Lord? As the instruments play, as our brother leads, would you make a decision for the Lord? Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.